attitude that I got to do a lot of things to help straighten out a church. That's not my job. If God lays it in my heart to say some things that need to be said, then it must be the Lord for nobody else is talking to me. Amen. I've pastored for a few years, and I never one time told my evangelist or a special speaker I had, never once did I tell them anything that was going on with anybody. And yet I've had them get up and preach and just walk down the line, and I almost hung my head thinking that everybody thought I told him everything. Uh-uh. The Holy Ghost knows how to talk. I only understand one language, and it's English. And the Holy Ghost talks to me in English, you know. These precious people back here, I tried to converse with the lady sister that testified tonight, and we didn't get very far. I can't talk Spanish. She can't talk English. She talks more English than I do Spanish. But I want to tell you something. I didn't have to understand all that was being said. I felt something. Because in the Holy Ghost, we all speak the same thing. Or we're supposed to. For the elder, I long to see the day that from Kansas to Maine, that every Holy Ghost filled, Jesus' name baptized preacher says the same thing. I long for that day. I long for that day because I believe today that Jesus Christ is coming soon and somehow, some way, we got to get our thinking right. Amen. Genesis chapter 32. Jacob was left alone and there wrestled with a man. And wrestle a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And the angel said, Thy name shall be no, called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost, that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, Pernuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day. Because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Will you pray with me tonight? God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I don't know how to 
get a lot of catchy titles for messages. I have never developed the art of that. I have never uh, listened close enough, I guess, and copied other men's titles. But I simply want to, with the help of God, preach to you tonight from these verses of Scripture on the subject of I'm not about to quit. I'm not about to quit. Hallelujah. Brother and Sister Mahan, maybe you know them. If not, then they were evangelizing and fine people. And uh, they used to sing. They preached a youth camp in our district two or three years. And they sang the song, I'm not about to quit. In this Bible reading tonight, we find a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob, years before this, had got himself in bad shape with his brother. He uh, really didn't set out to get in the condition he was in, but he got there. Uh, at least I don't think that Jacob sat down initially and began to connive and think and try to uh, find a way that he could get the birthright, the blessing from Esau. One day Esau went out to hunt because daddy was getting old and dad wanted some venison. And so Esau the hunter went out to the, into the hills and into the woods to find the venison and and uh, he couldn't find it. And uh, he came back from hunting. When he came back from hunting, Jacob was uh, cooking up some red-eye pea beans or black-eye peas or uh, Jacob cattle. We got beans in our area. They call Jacob cattle beans. And uh, whatever he was cooking up, it smelled mighty good to Esau. And as Esau came, he said to Jacob, I got to have some of that. I, I've hunt, hunted all day, and if you've hunted at all, and you've really gone out there and tramped through the woods and walked for miles and maybe only had a Hershey bar or, a, or some other kind of quick energy food, and all you'd eaten all day long was just a little bit, and Come in at night time after being out in the air and tramping through the woods and smell the smells that was coming from the kitchen. You would think that you was about ready to die if you couldn't get it. And that's what Esau did. So consequently because of this time and then because of a later time, uh, Jacob left home in a hurry. Jacob left home when his brother found out what had happened, he began to come after him and, and Jacob began to run for his life and he had gone and we no doubt know what had transpired in the years that Jacob had been away and now we find that Jacob was on his way back home after these years in exile and uh, as Jacob was on his way home, 
he began to hear a little bit of, uh, of rumblings coming from his spies and from his, his uh, men that he'd sent out ahead to keep, the, to keep the way clear of robbers. And, and the scout came back after a few days and said, Jacob, we haven't found any robbers out there on the, the road and the trail looks clear be here, between here and down yonder a ways. But we found out that uh, there is an army coming of about 400 men and the head of that army is your brother Esau. And as he began to think about it, all he could think about was what had transpired some 20, 30 years ago. All he could think about was the thing that he had done to Esau. All he could think about was the fact that after all of these years, my brother has had plenty of time to think about it. He's had plenty of time to consider what I had done. He had had plenty of time to think it all over and to plan what he was going to do to me. And I've got to some way, I've got to somehow, I've got to have a word from God. I've got to have something from God to let me know that Esau is going to make it all all right with me and we're going to get together again and so Jacob came to a place where he began to call upon the Lord you know sometimes people think that it's terrible to call on God in the time of need I have talked to people over the years that was not serving God they were in trouble they had all kinds of problems. They had all kinds of difficulties and try to get them to realize that in that kind of a condition, Jesus Christ will meet their need. And I've had people actually say, I don't want to bother God now. I don't pay any attention to him when things are going good. And I'm not gonna talk to him now. Hey, that's when God wants to help us the most. And so Jacob began to do something. You notice back a little bit in this same chapter. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, verse 9, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saidest unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal with thee. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. He said, I'm not worthy of all of the least of these mercies. Hey, when we began to think we deserve the mercies of God, when we began to think we deserve what God gives us, when we think we begin, begin to think that we deserve everything that God has in store for us, we may wake up with a real problem on our hands. We don't deserve the mercies of God. I didn't 
deserve the mercies of God. I deserve the judgment of God. But God's mercy reached out to me and lifted me up and gave me something worth living for. Hallelujah. And then he said, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. Jesus Christ tonight has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus Christ has said that you're my children. And all we need to do is live like a child of God. And we'll get what God wants us to have. And so Jacob finally came to the place that I read to you about. Jacob was there all alone at nighttime. And as Jacob was there all alone, there came somebody to wrestle with him. Oh God tonight, give us men that will be willing to wrestle all night long to get what they want from God. Give us men they would be willing to give themselves just to get what God has for them. So Jacob began to wrestle. Have you ever wrestled? Amen. I'm, I'm an old man. Real, real. Getting on in years. And I don't quite have the stamina I used to have. And I don't doubt tonight if I got the wrestling with this young man or this young man, if I don't beat him in the first few minutes, I'm not going to beat him because I don't have the stamina that I had when I was their ages. I don't have it tonight to go like I used to go because I've got a few years across my shoulders. But I want to tell you something. There is a time in our lives that we need to come to the place that when we get the wrestling with the angel of God and we get the wrestling with the things that's coming against us in this world, we got to have something inside that says, I'm a not gonna quit until you give me my need. There's got to be something. Get a hold of a man and a woman and a boy and a girl that when they get a hold of God, they get a hold of God with a determination. I'm not gonna quit. And there may even come time when you're going to wrestle with the devil and as you wrestle with the devil you're going to have to have something in your gizzard that's going to make you want to say I'm not going to quit until I beat him. Too many times there's men and women 
that have a real bad time in walking with God because they allow the devil to beat them. When the devil's already defeated, when the devil's no match for you, when the devil hasn't got any power over you, as you come to God and say, God, I gotta have the Holy Ghost in my heart. I've got your power in my life and I'm not gonna quit until I beat him. Have you ever seen a bulldog get a hold of something? When I was in high school, a neighbor of ours asked me to paint their house one summer. Man, they didn't know what they was getting into. I had never painted a house. I didn't know whether you could put paint on upside down, backside to, inside out. All I knew is that they asked me to paint it and they was going to pay me a buck and a half an hour. And back in the 50s, that was not bad. And I just said, I'll paint it. You get the paint and the brushes and I'll be there to paint it. Well, they had this white bulldog, you know. A bulldog's a dog that was chasing the car and the car stopped fast and the dog didn't stop and it pushed his nose in. That's what a bulldog is. And that old bulldog, he was, a, he, was a good, he was a good dog. He was a good watchdog, but he was kind as long as it wasn't nighttime. But I see that old bulldog get a hold of something and he'd worry it to death. I mean, he'd pull and he'd tug and every now and again, I'd get off that ladder and I'd find a rope that he'd play with and I'd get that rope wrapped around my arm and I'd get a piece of it in his mouth and we'd have a tug of war and I'd pull him all over that yard. I'd swing him around in circles and the, the, the owner came out, Margaret came out one day and she said, Sonny, what are you doing anyway? I said, I'm trying to get that old foolish dog off the end of this rope. I had him swinging right around in the air until his feet wasn't even touching the ground but do you think he'd let go no way was he gonna let go and there's times in our walk with God that we gotta get a hold of the end of the rope and we gotta say God you can do what you want you can swing me as long as you want I'm not gonna let go until you give me what I need Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I'm not going to let you go until, the, until you bless me. Until you bless me. Now, there's a lot of ways that God blesses people. This precious sister tonight, she danced and I watched and I thought, my Lord, she's going to be so tired when it's all over with. But I venture to say, you just let us get to singing a little bit and let the Holy Ghost get to flowing and she'll be at it again. Amen. And I watched this little fellow watch her and then I, I see him trying to do some of the same thing. Hey, we need to say, God, I'm going to hang on to you until you bless me. I'm not telling you tonight, I don't know what brother, brother, L. <laughs> What he teaches about this, but I want to tell you something. You don't have to dance the way I do. You don't have to jump the way I do. You don't have to, to flip your wrist the way I do. You don't have to do anything the way I do. 
as long as you praise and worship God in the way that's most comfortable to you. You got to do something to get the blessings of God. Hallelujah. You may get all kinds of blessings by standing there and let the tears run down your eyes. You may get all kinds of blessings by standing there with your hands up laughing until you don't know what to do with yourself. You may roll down the aisle. You may run the aisle. You may dance. I don't care what you do as long as you make your mind up. I'm going to get blessed of God. Hallelujah. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go. Friend of mine, Jacob was no spring chicken. And while he was wrestling, now I could take it for a few minutes. I don't know how old the angel was, but I know one thing. Jacob couldn't live long enough to wear him out. You think of it. And yet Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Do you know what you're saying, Jacob? Do you know, Jacob, that that's an angelic being from God and that that angelic being can live for a million years and never get tired? Do you mean, Jacob, that you're willing to wrestle and 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 wrestle? That's exactly what Jacob meant. And God knew he meant it. For before God left him that day, he said, your name is no longer Jacob, which means a supplanter. But he said, your name is now Israel, which means a prince with God. And it all happened because Jacob said, I'm not going to quit until I get it. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 18. Oh, in Luke chapter 18. You find the account of somebody that's got the same kind of determination. It says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint, saying, there was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And the unjust judge would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. This woman had a need. And when she came to the judge, now I'll back up a second. Before she came to the judge, she knew that that judge 
was unjust. She knew that that judge did not regard God. She knew that that judge did not regard man. In other words, she knew that that judge was going to just do any old thing he pleased. And if you liked it, all right. And if it didn't like it, it's your problem. That's what she knew. Now, I know it's a parable because I read you it was. But I want to show you something. But this woman had a need. She needed to be advanced. She needed to have somebody to help her in a very bad situation. And so she came to the judge. And she said, Judge, I have a need. There's this old guy down the road. He won't leave me alone. I'm having trouble with him, and I got to have your intervention. And she came to him on Monday. And the judge sat there and looked at her and said, All right. And she walked away. She went home, and on Tuesday morning, when court opened, she was standing in line, waiting her turn. She came the second day, and she said, Judge, I was here yesterday, and I asked you yesterday to avenge me my enemy, and it wasn't done, and I'm asking you again today, and I want you to do something about it. And she went home again. She came back the third day, and she stood in line, and she waited. And finally, when court opened, she was waiting on that old judge. And she walked up to the judge, and in his mind, he thought, I've seen her somewhere before. And she said, Judge, I was here yesterday. I was here the day before yesterday. And Judge, I have a need. I need to have somebody avenge me of my enemy. And I asked you Monday, and I asked you Tuesday, and this is Wednesday, and nothing's been done. And I want you to know I'm expecting you to do something. And she went on home. And that went that way. And the Bible says every day she came back to the judge. Every day she came. Every day she came. Every day she came. Every day she walked down the street. Every day she stood in line. Every day she asked the same thing. Every day she wanted to have someone to help her. Every day the judge looked at her and didn't say anything. Every day there's nothing done. Every day she came back until one day she stood before the judge and she said, Judge, I've asked you now a long time to help me and you've done nothing. I want you to help me today. And the judge looked at her and he said, Woman, you have worn me out. I don't regard God. I don't care what man thinks about me, but you have just worn me out. I'm sick and tired of looking at your face. I'm sick and tired of hearing your voice. I'm sick and tired of listening to everything you got to gripe about. And because you're going to weary me until I don't know what to do with myself, I'll give you your need. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What caused him to do it? 
because she had determined in her mind that she was going to get it or she'd die trying. She wasn't about to quit because she had a need. In the 11th chapter of Luke, you will find here another individual that had a need. You find an individual in the 11th chapter that uh, was in bed. You ever get woke up at midnight out of a good sleep? There's some preachers I don't think ever go to bed, Brother Elder. I've had them call me all hours of the night and half the hours of the morning. Yeah. But you're in bed. Let's just, just slow down here a second. You're all in bed. Sound asleep. Kids all sound asleep. That dear wife just a snoring her head off. You just are trying to get to sleep. Oh, you're already asleep. And you just got to sleep and snoring yourself. Just, just really having a great time. All of a sudden, someone comes a pounding on the door. And they pound for a while. Have you ever stopped to think about that situation in the Bible? At midnight, everybody in town, I mean, you know, in those days, they weren't like we are today. America never sleeps. You come out here from sunrise until sunrise the next morning, and you got people going, people eating in restaurants, riding up and down the streets. We lived in a one old horse town, just a little old dinky town. Right out there, jutting right out in the Atlantic Ocean for 10 years. I mean to tell you, 1,900 people. One road in, the same road out. Only about two streets in the whole town that wasn't dead end. I mean, it was, I guess all I got to do is throw the dirt on it. Dead. You'd think they'd roll the sidewalks up when the sun went down. But my wife can tell you that where we lived, it seemed like that you was living right on side of a four-lane highway. All hours of the day and night, cars just are going by, riding on by. I don't know where they were going. I don't know what they was doing. But in this day, in the Bible, they went to bed when the sun went down. I mean Burger King, McDonald's, Denny's, Oh, pizza, all those places closed down when the sun went down. They shut her up. I mean, everybody went to bed. Everybody went to sleep. They were sensible. Amen. And this old guy was in bed. His wife was in bed. His kids were in bed. The dog was even sleeping. And all of a sudden, at midnight, somebody come pounding on the door. 
And finally, the old guy got up and rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and thought, what in the world's going on now? What time is it anyway? And the Bible says it was at midnight. And do you know what that friend wanted? I mean, you'd think that somebody come pounding on your door at 12 o'clock tonight. You'd think, dear God, has something happened to mama? Has something happened to dad? Has something happened to wife's family? Has something happened to the kids? You'd think the worst. But do you know what this guy wanted? He wanted a loaf of bread. That's all he wanted. My God. Wake me up at this hour of the night just to get a loaf of bread. Go home and go to bed. What's wrong with you? No, 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 I can't. For a friend had been traveling through and he finally made it to my house and my, my culture tells me, my upbringing tells me that this friend had traveled a long time and he needed somebody to give him something to eat and he needed somebody to feed him and I gotta feed my friend but I wasn't expecting anybody to come and therefore I didn't have anything in the cupboard and you gotta give it to me. Go home and go to bed. No, sir. I got to have it tonight. I got to have the bread. I got to have the bread. Hey, folks, when a friend comes by that don't know the bread of life and begins to pound on your door at nighttime, are you willing to get out of bed and say, I'll give it to you? Or are you going to say, Go home. I got no time for you. He wasn't about to go home. He was going to get the bread or he was going to wake up the whole neighborhood. Because a friend come that needed to be fed. Is there any possibility that there may be tonight somebody that's going to walk through the long, hot corridors of hell, never having an opportunity to enjoy the enjoyment of heaven that at one time knocked on your door at midnight and was too busy? Is there any possibility that there's somebody that's come along and have been persistent and have tried to get through to us? They didn't come out and say, I want to be saved. They didn't come out and say that I want the Holy Ghost. They didn't come out and say, I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. But they come asking for bread. They come asking for some help in some manner. Oh God tonight, let us beat on the door as long as we have to beat on the door to get what we have to have from God so that we can give that one that's traveling through what they need to have what God wants them to have. In the 11th chapter of Luke, 
one verse of scripture out of the middle of that that I want to bring to your attention. It tells me there in the ninth verse. Amen. It says, ask. Amen. I send you ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. This is one of the most simple formulas ever given for a person to get what they need from God. Now, I'm not saying this to be critical. I don't know anybody. I don't even know if there's any here tonight don't have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you hear that? I don't know if you've been seeking for one week, one day, or 100 years. I don't know. But if you've been seeking for a whole long period of time, I want to tell you something. You need to keep on. Don't ever quit. But you don't need to seek any more than tonight. You can go home tonight with the Holy Ghost. Don't quit. Ask. 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 Hallelujah. Ask. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm trying to think what to do so I won't embarrass anybody. This one right here. I was going to, but I don't know. Maybe. Is this your wife? Oh, my, my. Brother, I need a dollar bill. I really, I really do need a dollar bill. Can I have a dollar? Do you have a dollar you can give me? Ask your wife if you got a dollar you can give me. <laughs> have you got a dollar he you got a dollar? You don't know either. <laughs> I, I I need a dollar. You haven't got one either. Ah Lord, I better ask Pastor. I need a dollar. I'm asking you for a dollar. I'm asking. You don't need to respond. Just, just sit there. <laughs> Get embarrassed. <laughs> I, I need a dollar. I'm asking you for a dollar. I'm asking you. Sir, I'm seeking you. I need a dollar, sir. Please. I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm asking. I'm seeking. Will you please give me a dollar? I'm asking. I'm seeking. I've got a need. I want you to understand I have a need. I need a dollar. I'm asking for it. I'm seeking for it. And the man sits there and looks at me and can't help me to this point.
I come knocking. You see, what the Lord is saying is to keep on asking and to keep on seeking and to keep on asking and to keep on seeking and to keep on knocking and to keep on asking and to keep on seeking and to keep on knocking and eventually you're going to get what you asked for eventually somewhere along the line you're going to ask the last time you're going to seek the last time you're going to knock the last time and you got a need and the need's going to be met because God said if you ask you shall receive God said if you seek you shall find God said if you knock it shall be open unto you Hey, that tells me that if I got to have the Holy Ghost, God wants me to ask the first time. If I don't get it the first time, ask him the second time. If I don't get it the second time, ask him the third time. If I don't get it the third time, ask him the fourth time. And after a while, I'm going to stop asking, and then I'm going to start seeking. I'm going to start looking. I'm going to start trying to find it somewhere. I'm going to start looking in a greater manner. And then if I still haven't found it, I'm going to pound on heaven's door until I get what I need. Too many times people come and they ask God the first time and maybe some like me are to blame for it but because they don't get the Holy Ghost the minute they repent because they don't get the Holy Ghost when they come out of the water they get discouraged and defeated in thinking man I guess God don't want to give me the Holy Ghost keep on asking keep on seeking keep on knocking and it shall be given to you if you just keep on and don't quit. Just because your brother, your father, your mother, your sister, just because they was kneeling at that stool and got the Holy Ghost. That don't mean you're going to be kneeling at that stool and get the Holy Ghost. Just because this man might have been laying on the floor, rolling all over the place when he got the Holy Ghost, that don't mean you're going to be laying on the floor, rolling all, the pl all over the place to get the Holy Ghost. What I'm telling you tonight is to find a place to pray somewhere and pound on that altar with your prayer. Begin to call after God. Let faith rise up in your heart. What God is telling me in that ninth verse of Luke 11, is don't quit. Just get to asking. Just get to seeking. Just get to pounding.
sound and as you do it faith's gonna rise up in your heart faith's gonna come up in your soul and the next thing you know it, you're gonna be talking in tongues like a Chinaman because God is gonna move over your heart when you've asked him when you sought his face with all of your heart and when you beat the door down letting God know have I not gonna quit until I get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh God, I wish somehow tonight. I wish somehow tonight I could get it across to you if you haven't got the Holy Ghost. Make up your mind tonight. You're going to have it before you go out that door. If you've got to stay here until the sun comes up on the eastern horizon tomorrow morning, I'm going to have the Holy Ghost tonight, God. I'm not going home without it. And when you have your mind made up that you're going to get the Holy Ghost, if you need healing for your body, and you may have been prayed for 101 times, but when your mind's made up, I'm going to get it. And you've knocked on that door the last time. You're going to get it as faith rises up in your soul. by sin never get delivered from it some people sit on the pews of Pentecostal churches and never get deliverance from sin and one of the biggest reasons is when they pray they don't really believe that God's forgiven them their sin while they're praying and the devil comes along or some other person comes along and says, you know, you don't think God forgave you, do you? There's not a sinner living in this world tonight but what Jesus Christ bled and died for. And if they'll come with a repentant heart and faith in God, they can leave the altar forgiven their sin according to the word of God. And then they can be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sin according to the word of God. And then God would fill them with the Holy Ghost and they'll speak in tongues according to the word of God. And don't you dare let anybody else or the devil tell you Jesus Christ didn't forgive you. I'm not about to quit. I'm not about to let go. I'll wrestle. I'll wrestle until. Wait a minute, Jacob. You know what you're saying? I don't know if he knew what he was saying or not. But he said, I'm not going to let you go until you give me my need. Have you got that kind of determination tonight? To get your need or are you about ready to quit how about you living for God how about living for God 
Have you got one eyeball on the world and the other eyeball on God and trying to live for God and trying to have victory and wonder why in the world am I struggling so? This is one preacher tonight that believes that you've got to have everything given to God. The Bible says if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in your heart. You can say it any way you want to. You can explain it away any way you choose to. You can try to excuse it. You can try to sugarcoat it. You can do what you want to. But the Bible says, if I love the world and the things in the world, I don't love God. And yet there's men and women tonight that wonder why they're struggling in living for God. They're struggling because they want to hang on to the world. They want to hang on to the filthiness of the world and try to hang on to God at the same time. I think it's time we Pentecostals begin to smarten up and realize tonight that there's absolutely no gain for us if we try to compromise. There's no gain for us tonight if we try to say we can be charismatic. We can have all of the things of the world and the things of God. We're only deceiving ourselves. You know, I think we ought to have all kinds of patience with people that don't know. I really do. I think that if this sister was to come to church I'm pastoring, out of a denominational world, or out of the right out of the raw old world. I think I ought to have some patience with her. Give her time to grow a little bit. Give her time to mature spiritually. I don't expect this little boy here tonight, this little red-headed fella, I don't expect him tonight to have the same kind of responsibilities I expect you to have. I don't expect him tonight to be able to do the same things you can do. I don't expect this little fellow here tonight to be able to have the kind of experience with God that you ought to have. But I do tonight expect him to have the kind of experience that he's capable of having. And God give me the patience to let him grow up in the natural and in the spiritual so he can become mature in God. I'll tell you, we need to have patience with that. I believe I got patience with that. But I tell you what, my patience wears mighty thin, brother elder, with individuals that should know better and they continue to do things that's not right. I have a hard time sometimes looking at some folks that I know that they know better. I know that they know what God wants them to do. And yet they'll deliberately go out there and do some things that makes their soul lean. And when Jesus comes, they're going to be lost. I don't have a lot of patience with them. I know I maybe ought to have. But I want to tell you something tonight. There's times... We need to get the bottle out of our mouth and start eating the Kansas beefsteak. Amen. 
I'm not going to give up. World, do what you want to do. World, go anywhere you want to go. Charismatic, do what you want to do. Trinity Pentecost, if there is such a thing, you do what you want to do. You can go out there and do anything you want to, but as for me, I'm going to hang on and I'm not going to quit. I want it to be, Brother Elder, when I'm, someone's helping me around and I'm so old, I can't hardly move and someone's got to help me in church. I want to be able to stand up and if I can't do too much, I want to be able to stand up and say, I still got it tonight, folks. But the way I'm going to have that is if I got a determination in my heart, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to hang on. Are you here tonight? And there's things battling against you. I got a feeling in my heart tonight, and I've had it ever since I've been preaching, that I'm preaching to someone this evening that's contemplating giving up on God. I feel it in my heart. I want to tell you something. The road back there is hellish. And Jesus is coming soon. And you tonight have got to get a hold of God and get that bulldog determination as I'm not going to quit. I'm going to live for God. You haven't got the Holy Ghost tonight while you're sitting there listening to me in the last few moments of this message. Uh, you, need to, you need to get your brain cranked up. You need to get your thinking cranked up. And you need to get it so I am not going to quit tonight until I get the Holy Ghost. And if you've been coming to the same spot, going through the same ritual for the last 24 weeks, go to another spot and get a different ritual. Maybe you got in a little rut somewhere. One of our young preachers in our district, I preached for him just a week or so before I came here down left Maine. I preached for him last year. Started two or three nights after Christmas a year ago. Preached for him over New Year's. And last Sunday, last weekend, I should say, not this past Sunday, a week ago this past Sunday. I'm going to back up just a little bit. I'll tell you that in a minute. Last year, when I went to preach for him, in the fall of 1984, his daddy was 65 years old, I think. Been around the Pentecostal church for I don't know how many years. They got 15 or 16 kids in the family. And if I remember right, every one of them has got the Holy Ghost. Maybe one or two ain't, don't have it, but I think all of them do. Daddy's been in, in around the church for years. Come to church just as faithful. Tithe. Gave to the building program. Helped build on the new church. Helped build on the parsonage. Came to church. Did everything the preacher told him to do. But he'd never received the Holy Ghost. That blows my mind. But it happens all the time. Here's a man. Been around the church, I'm going to say 25 years at least. 
Never had the Holy Ghost. One of our dear old pioneer preachers. Now you may have heard of old C.B. Dudley. C.B. Dudley's prayed more people through the Holy Ghost than some ten of us guys have done. He can get people through the Holy Ghost when some of us people, as fellows, are struggling so hard to get them through the Holy Ghost. He'll come along in just a few minutes' time. They all get the Holy Ghost. He got that kind of faith. Came to the church that this man was going to. Preached for two or three nights, three or four nights, right at Christmas time. I mean, you don't have revival meetings at Christmas time. My God, you had revival meetings at Christmas time and you preached the empty seats, at least in Maine. So we don't schedule special meetings at Christmas time. But at Christmas time, they had special meetings. And you know what? 65 plus year old man came to the altar. Old C.B. Dudley, look him right in the eye, got the praying for him. Before the revival was over, had the Holy Ghost. You know what he said? His son told me this. He said, Roger, I didn't know it was so easy to get the Holy Ghost. And here for 25, 30 years, I've been struggling to get the Holy Ghost. His son, I haven't called him yet. I've just been sort of putting it off a little bit. Last weekend... Not this past one, a week ago. In the church he's pastoring in western Maine, 25 people got the Holy Ghost from Friday night till Sunday night. With a young preacher preaching don't even have a license. And us guys that's ordained and holding offices can preach our insides out. Seemingly. Not get the job done. But some little fellow come along and just by faith in God preach an encouraging message. People get in the Holy Ghost. I'm grateful tonight that Roger Ackerson's dad never gave up. Church that we just left pastoring. Lady in the church knocked on a senior citizen's complex door one day. 76-year-old woman opened the door. Etta said to Sister Grover, now, she said, uh, I'd like to come and talk to you. Words this effect. Rhoda Grover invited her in. Etta Driscoll went in and sat down and talked to her about the Lord. She said, I'm going to send my pastor up and talk to you. And a few days later, I went up, knocked on the door. And a 76-year-old woman opened the door, and there I stood. I said, are you Rhoda Grover? She said, yes. I said, well, I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Kennedy. I said, Ed Driscoll sent me up to see you. He said, you'd be interested in a Bible study. So we went in and talked to her for a while. When I stepped through the door of that house, that old lady began to cry. Tears run down over the side of her face. So said, oh, I've been wanting somebody to talk to me about Pentecost for a long time. I thank the Lord that Edda came to my door the other day. Seventy-six years old. I baptized her in Jesus' name. 
We installed a baptismal tank in the church, and she was the first one I baptized in Jesus' name. 76 years old. She wanted the Holy Ghost, but she had heart trouble. You try to pray someone through the Holy Ghost, got heart trouble. Sometimes I, I think someone's going to get heart trouble by the way they pray. She had heart trouble. Shake. Couldn't get a breath. Hardly get around. So I'd pray with her. Come to church. Go to her home. Pray with her. She'd pray a few minutes. And she couldn't hardly breathe. I, I, I talked to her. I gave her every scripture I gave her. I gave her every track I could find. I gave her Brother Pugh's book on how to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, please understand. I don't know what works when you pray through the people through the Holy Ghost. What works to pray one through don't work to pray another one through. I, I don't know the first thing about it, to be honest with you. I gave this old lady, and I don't say that disrespectful in any manner. I gave her that book on how to receive the Holy Ghost. I walked up to her house one day. She hadn't been to church for a little while. I walked up to her door and rang the bell. Before I got up there, I looked into her window, a big plate glass window. She was sitting there in her living room in a chair. She had that book open. She had the Bible open. Door was open, summertime. I walked up and ready to ring the bell. I heard her in there trying to sing. Trying to sing. I can't remember now what she was singing, but she didn't have the tune. And she didn't have half the words. And what half she didn't have, she was making up. And she'd look at that book a little while, and she'd sing a little while. Then she'd read the Bible a little while. Then she'd look at the book a little while, and she'd read some more. And then she'd sing. I stood there for five or ten minutes just listening and watching. And I got a little bit of amused at it. But you know what? When I went in, she said, oh, Pastor, she said, I want the Holy Ghost so bad. And she said, this man's telling me that when I get to praying, if I feel like singing, to sing, and that's what I'm doing. And she said, he tells me to read the Bible, and it gives me some scripture to read, and that's what I've been doing. She said, I want the Holy Ghost so bad. We prayed for her that day, and the presence of God came in that room, and she felt the touch of God a few weeks later. Now, this had been over a period of, of two or three years that we had been trying to work with her, praying all the time, God, don't let her die until she got the Holy Ghost. One Sunday night, she came to church. I preached when I got done preaching. Come in her shaking manner, walking down the aisle, stood just about where I'm standing right now in front of the pulpit, 79 years old, reached her hands up to God, and I walked down and laid my hand on her forehead, and I said, Sister Grover, believe Jesus right now for the Holy Ghost, and he'll fill you tonight with the Holy Ghost, and I'm not kidding you a bit in just a few moments time she began to talk and talk 79 years old three years born and brought up in the United Methodist Church didn't know the first thing about God thought that I was a better preacher than all Robertson Billy Graham and the whole bunch 
And yet she come to church. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost. You know something? I'm going to close. I've been preaching way too long, I know. But the older you get, and the longer you hang around, the more set you get in your way. And the more set you get in your routine. And too many of the time is you reach a certain place praying every time, and then you'll quit. I've seen it happen many times. I'm not going to quit until I get what Jesus wants me to have. Will you stand with me tonight? You got a need tonight? You need the Holy Ghost tonight? If you're here and you need the Holy Ghost tonight, why don't you come and stand right here in the front of this church? If you've been used to praying right here, then stand right over here. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost while Sister Elder's going to start playing something, why don't you come and just stand tonight? But the moment you leave your seat, you leave it saying, I'm going to have it tonight. I'm not going to quit tonight. If you're here tonight and you need to repent of your sin, then come on and get to praying and saying, I'm not going to quit until you touch me tonight, God. If you need healing for your body and you may have been prayed for last night, come on, let us pray for you. If you've been had backslid in your heart, if you've been cold and lukewarm in your soul, why don't you come and say, God, I'm going to get fire hot tonight. Now I'm not going to quit until I get it. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, sing it. There is no telling what God can do. When you believe. Hallelujah. Come on, there's some folks here tonight. Give you the Holy Ghost. There's somebody here tonight. Just considering quitting living for God. You need to come and pray through tonight. Why don't you come? There is no telling what God will do when you believe. Hallelujah. There's no telling what God can do for you tonight. If you'll come. I'm waiting on you tonight. There's some folks you need to come and pray tonight. There is no telling what God come on. will do. Hallelujah.
need the Holy Ghost. Come on. You need the Holy Ghost. Come on. Get the praying, get the seeking, get the knocking, get the asking over again tonight. There is 